1 again, and we'll read through verse 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. And then our text tonight. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. For all the people knew, on June 6, 1944, the citizens of France, it was just another morning of suffering the cruel occupation of the Nazi, Nazi regime. Uh, it was another morning like far too many mornings they'd already experienced. They had no idea that uh, June 6 was going to be fundamentally and profoundly different, that on uh, June 6 the Allies were going to land at Normandy and begin the process of setting them free. Uh, as far as the world knew, the morning that Jesus was born was a morning like every other morning. And though many were not uh, thinking of it, the truth is that, is that mankind lived under the bondage of a regime much more cruel than that of Hitler's Nazi Germany. Uh, living under the bondage of the devil, living under the bondage of death and judgment. Uh, living in the reality of the fact that uh, they were... Uh, profoundly broken people and on the wrong side of the law of God and there was nothing they could do to set themselves free. Uh, the world was in darkness. But on that morning, the light shone as Jesus Christ came into the world. And John wants to tell us about that coming in uh, his gospel. Uh, he, the opening of John chapter 1, of course, is a classic bit of literature as much as it is a classic piece of Scripture. Every word here is weighted with significance, every word perfectly placed to create this cascading symphony of divine truth and uh, life-transforming news. Uh, John borrows language from Genesis chapter 1, of course, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And John uses that language because he wants us to know that this is a new beginning, that the morning that Jesus Christ was born is nothing less than God beginning the work of making everything new, that Jesus Christ has come to create a new universe, a new beginning, a new heaven and a new earth. The voice that called this universe into being back in Genesis 1 is now calling a new heaven and new earth into existence. Uh, the light has shown the Word became flesh. And John wants us to know that he's not just talking about um, a religion. He's not espousing uh, religious sentiments. He's not just emoting. He's not describing how he feels about Jesus uh, in his letter, the first letter of um, John, 1 John 1. He says, that which was from the beginning, that is what we make known to you, what we, what we saw, what we heard, what we touched with our own hands. That Jesus is not a sentiment, he's not an idea, he's not a, a, simply a figure to be admired, but John is convinced that this Jesus is God, that which was from the beginning, John says, we saw him, and we heard him, and we touched him, and this is the Jesus that John wants to make known to us, and his purpose is intentionally and intensely um, a proselytizing purpose. He writes at the end of this gospel, John chapter 20, 31. Uh, these things are written that you might believe, that you might believe, have the conviction that this Jesus is the Christ, the promised one of God, and that by believing in him, you might have life in his name. That's why these things are written. John wants you to know Jesus, and to know Jesus, again, not as a religious figure, 
But the Jesus of history, the one who actually is of God, fully God, fully man, come to set people free. He wants us to experience the light and the life that are found only in God. And so we're going to focus tonight on verses 4 and 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Tonight I'm going to look simply at the nature of the light, and then the mission of the light, and then finally the victory of the light. The nature of the light to begin. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. John has a lot to say in his gospel about the light of Jesus. In fact, no other gospel writer mentions Jesus as the light more often than John. If I could just remind you of some of the text, John 3, 19. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world. This is Jesus speaking. Speaking of himself, light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 9, 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus was very clear about uh, his identity as being the light of the whole world. And there's something about that metaphor that captured the imagination of, uh, of John because it, it, it captured the person of Jesus and the mission of Jesus. And what it tells us about the person of Jesus is that this really is God in flesh. God is light. That's the message of Old Testament scriptures, and that's what John wants us to know. 1 John, again, 1 John 1, 5. This is the message we heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. The Old Testament authors spoke of this. If you think of David in Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And this concept of God being light, that light emanates from God, he's the source of light, he's robed in inapproachable light, the concept of light is combined with life. And so in Psalm 36 verse 9, with you is the fountain of life, and in your light do we see light. And so John points to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, the the man who so many others simply assumed he was maybe a religious teacher. Those who knew the family knew that this is the son of of Joseph and Mary, the carpenter. And John points to this, this man who does not seem to be unique just by physical appearance in any way. And he says, this is the light of God. In, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. What John says of Jesus could never possibly be said of any other human who ever lived. We can use all kinds of words to describe people, and we do. He's, he's, uh, he's funny, uh, she's witty, uh, beautiful, artistic, talented, athletic, strong. But this you could never say of someone, in them was life. You might say someone is the life of the party, they're fun to be around, but that is not what John is saying. In Jesus was life. Life flowed from him. He's the fountain of life itself. No one could ever claim that except Jesus. He's unlike any other human ever born. In him was life. And John has a specific idea of life in mind here. There are three Greek words used for life. Uh, one is the word bios. We get bi- biology from that. It's, it's uh, physical life. 
uh, human, in a sense, uh, yeah, physical life is the best way to describe it, bias. Uh, there's also suke, uh, the soul life. It's sort of emotional, uh, mental, uh, will, the heart. So Jesus says, whoever wants to save his life, suke, Matthew 16, 25, shall lose it. You can lose your, your soul life, your suke. And then there's zoe, and, and that is the word that we find here. In him was Zoe. This is, this is the word that means the uncreated life of God himself, the eternal life, the life that, that, that is, um, it defines God as life. It's life, the life that flows uniquely from God and, and involves communion with God. So when John looks at Jesus, he doesn't just see a lively figure. He sees life, the real eternal life of God. It flows from him, and, and the evidence was, was everywhere. So when Jesus uh, walks through this broken, dead world, so much spiritual death, you, you find the effects of this fountain of life. So when Jesus says to a leper, be cleansed, he's cleansed. And, and when he says to the blind man, see, he sees. And when he says to dead people, arise, they, they stand up. But even more than that, people are, are gaining new um, new understanding, they're able to see the truth about God and the world and themselves and the truth about Jesus as Jesus unites men and women to God. That's, that's the fountain of life. And it's, it's, friends, it's the life that you were made for. It's the life you hunger for. You see, you can have all the benefits of physical life you can, be, you can be healthy and strong and attractive. You can have all the, the reality of suke. You can, you can be emotionally uh, fulfilled and, and mentally balanced. Uh, you can enjoy life as uh, this world gives it. But if you're honest with yourself, you know there's got, there has to be something more. Bias life and suke life Though they are gifts from God themselves, they don't satisfy you for some reason. I remember Tom Brady just saying, uh, this is after he won four, this, the fourth Super Bowl. If, if this is all it's about, it's a joke. If, if, if he had the world as, as best as the world can offer it, but it just, there's got to be something more. So you, so you, you get another stupid ring. So you won a football game. So people applaud you and praise you and flock around you. It, it, so what? We weren't made for that. It's, it's not enough. It doesn't satisfy. Zoe, you see, is what we were created for, to know God, to be in communion with God, to, to know and be known and to be loved in that, to, to experience the joy and the peace of being in the presence of, of the God for whom we were created. And, and all the pursuits and passions and pleasures that people run after, they're looking for God. I remember G.K. Chesterton just saying, I didn't hear him say this personally, but I read it. <clears throat> he said, the man knocking on the, on the door of the brothel is knocking for God. That's what he's looking for. He's, he's, he's looking for life. The man who's clicking on the internet is looking for the same thing. But of course, nothing online, nothing even in human relationships can give us what we were made for. It can only be found in, in God. And, and, and there's the rub. Because you see, our sin, our sin nature, what we're born with, makes us unable and unwilling to come to God. 
We'll keep on knocking on the empty things in this world, uh, hoping that maybe this next time it'll satisfy rather than turn and be filled uh, with what only God can give. And Jesus says the reason, you see, for that in John 3, verse 19, the reason that people don't come to the light is because they actually love the darkness. That's the dilemma of mankind. It isn't just that we do things we shouldn't do. We like doing things we shouldn't do. We enjoy sin. We prefer sin. Mankind does, you see, in its fallenness, in its brokenness. They, everyone is born that way. That's not the, that's not the weirdos. That's not the, that's not the perverts. Often the fringes of human society, every man and woman born by nature, by sinful nature as sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, prefer darkness. We want the life that comes from God, but we don't, by nature, want God. So what do you do with that? Well, you see, only the gospel can answer that. I had a, just a wonderful conversation this past week with someone who grew up in the church and um, left the church at a young age, spent most of their adult life as a professing atheist. This woman is now, I believe, being drawn back to God. She doesn't go to church because the church where she grew up uh, had a gospel only for good people, only for, for those people who uh, appear externally moral and respectable, who, who sort of have things in order. It, it didn't really have a message for her, a young woman who knew that she was stained by sin and, and was honest enough to admit that she loved her sin. And I had the joy of explaining to her that the gospel is, is good news uh, not just for people who make mistakes and trip up from time to time, but the gospel is good news for people like her and people like me who in our nature, in our sinful nature, we love sin. We love sin. No one holds a gun to our head and to make us do things we would rather not do when we, when we lie and when we steal and cheat and lust and are greedy and covetousness, when we're, when we're angry and impatient, we do it because we, del we delight in it. And even still, you see, even still, no one, no one makes you sin. You, you, you commit the sins that you do, and, and I commit the sins that I do because I want to do them. Is there a gospel for people like that? And the answer, of course, is yes, it's the only gospel that there is. For people who, by nature, love what we should not love. And, and by nature, avoid and will flee from the light. She was astonished, uh, I think, a little bit by uh, the honesty of that. But also relieved, startled that, the, that, that there could be a gospel for her. You see, the, the, the gospel isn't the good news of how uh, fundamentally good people have manage somehow to find the light. The, the gospel is, is the astonishing story that really, really broken, flawed, sinful people have been found by the light. That Jesus came looking for people like us. When we were in love with our crimes, love with our sin, when we were running from God, Jesus came into this world to hunt us down. He came to find us, to seek us out. So the mission of the light, secondly, it shines in the darkness. I don't have to tell you that we live surrounded by darkness in our world. Just open your newspaper and take a look at the headlines. There is grotesque sin and death and 
horrific suffering, the rule of the devil, the father of deception and lies is everywhere. And, and, and again, those who walk in darkness love it that way. You see, and we all by nature have. We cannot see the goodness of the glory of God, and even if we could, we could not desire it. So there's spiritual death that's behind the physical death. There's a, there's a spiritual bent that makes people delight in what destroys them. And what makes us, left to ourselves, run away from the one person in the whole world who could save us. You see, man is not simply in the darkness. The truth is that mankind is the darkness. Paul writes in Ephesians 5, 8, For once you were darkness. Once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. And that's the wonderful message of Christmas. That's, that's why we celebrate tonight, that light has come seeking us, pursuing us. You see, light does the most amazing thing. Light, by its very nature, always dispels darkness. You've never been in a room where you turn the lights on and the lights went on and the darkness stayed in the room. It can't happen. If, if it did happen to you, just go back to sleep. It's a dream and you'll wake up right shortly. It cannot happen. Light by its nature, always makes the darkness flee. So Jesus, you see, is light, not just in his being, that he is God, but Jesus is light in his purpose, in his mission. He's light in that he has come to this world to dispel the darkness. That's why he came. It's a great illustration of that in John chapter 9, where Jesus heals a man who was blind from birth. Imagine this man had never, ever once seen light. He'd never seen a color. He'd never seen a shape. He'd never seen a face. He had no idea what a sunrise was until he met Jesus. Jesus, meeting this man, said to him, I am the light of the world. Now, this man would not really know what that means. He, he didn't know what light was. And so Jesus took some mud and, and he put it on the man's eyes, told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And the man did, and he saw he saw for the first time. Light comes streaming into his eyes and he sees colors and shapes and faces. He can see the, the beautiful sun shining down on God's creation. He can see friends and family members. What a delight, what a joy. How, it, it's brand new life for this man as he comes out of a life of darkness into the, the glory of light. And the religious leaders, they do not celebrate with him. They challenge him with questions. Who did this? And he says, well, it, it was Jesus. And they said, well, be honest with us now. How did he do it? Because we know that he's a sinner. This man says, I don't know about that. One thing I know, once I was blind, but now I see. You guys figured out, right? You're the experts. All I know is I was once in the darkness, but now I'm in the light. I can see. That's the Christian's him. That's the Christian story. I once was blind, but because of Jesus, because of grace, now I can see. Jesus came to this man. This man wasn't out looking for him. Jesus comes to us. He comes to sinners today. People who are uh, in, born in spiritual darkness, people who are in love with spiritual darkness, and Jesus opens eyes so the light of God's truth and the light of God's glory, the beauty of what is of what is right and good and God-honoring, it all comes shining through, pouring into our life. The hymn writer captures it well in the song that we sometimes sing. I once was lost in darkest night, and 
yet thought I knew the way. The sin that promised joy and life had brought me to the grave. I had no hope that you would own a rebel to your will. And if you had not loved me first, I would refuse you still. That's exactly the truth. But as I ran my hell-bound race, indifferent to the cost, you looked upon my helpless state and led me to the cross. And I beheld God's love displayed. You suffered in my place. You bore the wrath reserved for me. Now all I know is grace. Hallelujah. All I have is Christ. The wonderful message of Christmas is that God has intervened on your behalf and on my behalf, that, the, that Jesus and his mission of light is greater than the misery of our darkness and sin. And, and so finally, the third point, the victory of the light. One of the, one of the most beautiful, beautiful lines in Scripture, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness. It's present tense. It's not something that happened back then a long time ago. It shines. It shined in John's day as he's writing this. He's a missionary now for many years, living in Ephesus for most of his adult life, a place that was in such incredible darkness, paganism. The, the temple, Di Diana, is right there. It's a city that exalts in, in the darkness, delights in the darkness, revels in the darkness. And yet John was there in the city of Ephesus teaching about Jesus, proclaiming what he saw and what he heard and what he knew about Jesus. And as he did, the Holy Spirit took that message and light came pouring into Ephesus. And a church was being built up in Ephesus as people were being brought from death into life and people were brought from blindness and now they could see. John says the light is shining and the darkness, the darkness of Ephesus is not able to overcome it. There was all sorts of opposition that the, the church faced and yet the darkness was not able to overcome it. It was not able to overcome it when Jesus was on this earth, though it tried. The devil tried to tempt Jesus and lead him into sin in the wilderness. Uh, when Jesus came about saying, I am the light of the world, people were offended. Religious people were offended to be told that they were in darkness, and, and so they opposed him. They, they said Jesus was a fraud. They told lies about him. They said that he operates by the power of the devil. They, they said he was a drunkard. They charged him with being a friend of sinners. Praise God that he was. They put him to a cross under the charge of blasphemy. The darkness, you see, seemed to be too much. It, it seemed to just be too much to overcome. The forces that allied against Christ were simply too strong, and they took him, and they conspired, the Jewish leaders with the Roman authorities, and they put Jesus on a cross, and he died there. And they were confident they had succeeded. It's a little poem. Dark was the day that Jesus died. The sun concealed from mortal sight. Dark the place his body lay. The world entombed in deadly night. Dark and evil men rejoiced, assured they had killed the light. Bright was the morning he arose. All the darkness forced to flee, bright when he destroyed my foes and tore the veil that covered me. Bright and glorious, robed with light, my Jesus reigns in victory. The light shines. It shines today. It shines today, and the darkness has not overcome it today. The world has no more love for Jesus. Lost, fallen mankind has no more love for Jesus today than they did when he walked on this earth, and yet the light shines, and the light is, is overcoming the darkness. 
The mission of Jesus Christ is going forward, and men and women and boys and girls are being gathered all over this globe today to come to worship Christ, the newborn King. Jesus Christ has conquered, and the darkness will never win. And that includes the darkness in your own heart. If you are honest with yourself, you know there's, there is a lingering infatuation in you, in your flesh, that still delights in darkness. You do the sins you do because you want to do them. One of the most distressing things that a Christian can face is why do I still desire things that I ought to hate and and that a part of me does hate i want to serve jesus christ and yet i find the good that i would as paul says in romans 7 i so often do not do but the evil thing that i would not do that i so far too often do is there a gospel for me yes there's a gospel for you the light has shone, and the darkness will not overcome it ever it cannot overcome it the question for you tonight is are you in the light are you in the light? Have you, have you come to Jesus Christ confessing the truth that, of who he is and what you are? Jesus says in John 12, 46, I've come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Jesus has come to call sinners like you and like me out of the darkness and into life, real life, and into real light. If you are not there today, friend, I just want to encourage you, you can be. All it takes is coming to him in faith, coming to him in prayer, confessing your sin, turning to him, and receiving his life and his light. And if you are a Christian and you've, you've, you've done this, keep doing it. Well, keep coming to Jesus. He is the light. He is the life. Fight for that what is true. Put away the deeds of darkness, the Bible would say. But trust in his light. Trust that it's victorious. Trust that it's going to conquer for you. And one day, friends, all the darkness falls away. One day there will be nothing remaining but life and light for you in the presence of this very Jesus who was born in Bethlehem so long ago. One day we're going to see him. May that day come soon. Amen. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father in heaven, you know our hearts tonight. You know every person here. You know our name. You know the number of our days ordained for us. You know our sins. You know how desperately we need the light and life. You know how, how we have, have delighted in darkness. But Jesus, I thank you that the gospel is, is for people who by nature are lost. I thank you the gospel is not for people who've got it together, but people who left themselves would, would choose their own death as we seek our life apart from you. Jesus, thank you for your victory. Thank you for suffering in our place, bearing our sin. And thank you that you invite men and women and boys and girls today to come confessing their sin and turning to you, Lord Jesus, as the one who can rescue us and save us and give us life. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit be at work in the lives of all who hear tonight. And Lord, for those who are discouraged and downcast, those who feel the fullness of their weakness, those who sense the stain of their sin, Father, I pray that we would trust that he is able to save us to the uttermost and that whatever darkness remains within us is going to be finally, fully, completely put away because it's already been broken in its power in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Lord, help us to believe the gospel tonight. 
We thank you that our Jesus now reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords, and he's coming again. Lord Jesus, make us ready to meet you with faith and in joy as we live now in your light. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen.